A global pandemic forced us to close the labs and pause experiments. But for our lab, science has always been about building community. So today, we're chatting with fellow researchers about their experiences in lockdown. I'm Andrew Pelling, and you're listening to Quarantimes. Today is a special day for the Pelling Lab as we're closing a chapter. I know many of you have been waiting to hear from the man behind the curtain with utter charisma, the guy that makes all our science happen here, Dr. Andrew Pelling. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's nice having a chat with you outside of research. So everything has been closed for some time, but you've been able to cheat the system with your home lab. How does that feel? <laughs> yeah. Um, I Well, yeah, you know, looking at like a lot of what's on social media right now are all these professors l- lamenting the fact that their labs are closed and they can't do experiments. And uh, and here I am with a tissue culture hood in my, in my office and uh, at home. And I've got a couple of microscopes now and, um, you know, culturing cells and, and doing experiments. I've, I've got a lab book again and... <laughs> It's, uh, you know, I'm trying to, I'm getting used to uh, bench life again, um, you know, making media and making buffers and all of that. But uh, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's been kind of interesting. Definitely. It seems like um, building your home lab over the years really paid off during this pandemic. Uh, so with all the professors that you know, what has been their general vibe or mood since quarantine has started? Because you seem very chill and happy-go-lucky. Um, so do you think people are just as chill as you or more stressed out? It's been a real mixed bag. I've heard really great positive stories and responses uh, to the pandemic by other um, uh, professors at the same career stage as me. And I've heard some real horror stories. And and yeah, and I, I do have some uh, really close networks of friends who are, you know, similar career stages as me. And, and thankfully, you know, I've got that sort of support group and we, we do check in with each other and we do sort of talk about how we're all managing our various groups. Um, and, and there's a lot of wisdom there, too, that you can draw from. For sure. Like having that community and taking from one another during this time is, I think, pretty essential. Uh, do you think other scientists and profs have the capacity to do what you're doing in your home lab right now? I think I think scientists, ha- I think all scientists have a tremendous capacity to do anything they want. Um, you know, I get to spend my days surrounded by, you know, brilliant, enthusiastic, passionate students and scientists. And like, I'm sorry, but we can absolutely find ways uh, to get the job done if we really want to. Um, you know, for years I've been slowly building this lab at home and it it really started with this tissue culture hood (laughs) that I found for $75. Um, but, and then it became a game for me is like, well, how much, if I can get a tissue culture hood in my home, (laughs) you know, what else can I get in here? And I, I don't think most scientists would think that way. They would normally think, well, I need a specialized building and I need, you know, uh, you know, a, a large grant to buy all the infrastructure and, and it's got to be done a certain way. And and there are reasons for that, right? There are legitimate safety and, you know, health reasons why you might want to do that. But at the same time, you know, the scientists who come before us uh, hundreds of years ago didn't have all this equipment, but yet c- cells were still discovered and they were discovered in the field and in attics and, um I think science can be done. It's just sometimes you got to get very creative and you need a lot of determination to see how it can be done. And a lot of the inspiration 
I get is is actually from the DIY bio community. There are incredible labs globally built by people who don't have access to multi-million dollar funds and they're doing incredible work. It's it's incredible what they've been able to achieve. And I think, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, traditional scientists, academic scientists at institutions could learn a thing or two from these community groups. And, and maybe we should be paying a bit more attention to what they're up to. Totally. You can really see the ingenuity and creativity in the DOI bio community. And I feel like your interest in it over the years has really paid off. Like the fact that you bought the biosafety cabinets in our lab on eBay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. So that's we absolutely got our tissue culture bits on on eBay. Uh, they came from Spain. Uh, one of them showed up broken, and so I had to pay two hundred bucks for a new motor fan. Uh, Only two hundred. That's not bad. Yeah, and I think I I think I spent around two thousand dollars each, and you know they were a few years old. Um, you know, and they were you know once they arrived, they were certified. Uh, but that's a good example of me uh, preparing for the worst. And in my mind, I had this whole plan for like, how am I going to equip and build this lab and actually produce my first set of papers without getting any grants and only using this small startup package I have? You know, I started like trying to think differently. I, I didn't want to spend $30,000 on a couple of tissue culture hoods. I wanted to spend $2,000 um, and see what I could do. And I like, I'm pretty happy with that investment. <laughs> I gotta get my bargaining skills up. They really pay off even in science. At your home lab, I heard that you're even using some instant pots. We've had to get very creative about how to sterilize things, how to, um, you know, keep cells alive, keep plant cells alive um, in my home lab when I, I, I'm not fully equipped. So we've had to uh, DIY a whole bunch of things like... Uh, using pressure cookers for autoclaves and uh, using a salad spinner for centrifuge and, and relying on a lot of the DIY bio community's uh, knowledge base to uh, keep things going. It's been pretty cool, actually. Very cool. When did you start dabbling in the DIY bio community? Oh, man, uh, that is a good question. Uh, a long time ago. I mean, I've always worked with uh, artists, even, you know, well back into my undergrad uh, and sort of doing work at that interface between art and science and, and between sort of, um, I guess, you know, the general public and, you know, academic lab scientists. And what's been so cool and interesting is has always been working with different people um, and trying to engage with people by finding ways to make science more accessible outside of multi-million dollar labs. Um, and so for like really for years and years, this is going back probably till to, you know, 2000, 2001, um, I've always just kind of been interested in, in finding shortcuts and hacks and ways to do things cheap and fast. And, um, you know, it gives me an excuse to kind of use my hands. Yeah. I know you haven't had the time to have much venture while being a professor. So now that you're getting more of the hands on at home, how does it feel? I'm back at it. <laughs> uh, I don't miss, you know, <laughs> making buffers in media. <laughs> and uh, I, do, I don't miss some of that, you know, uh, that some of the daily grind part of the bench work. But, um, you know, it's always good to be reminded what it's like. Yeah, I feel like it humbles you. Totally. Yeah. A lot of the time we as graduate or undergraduate students look at someone in your position and think to ourselves like, 
wow, I can't wait to be a prof or a project manager at a company. And that thought process, do you think it takes away from us being present with our work right now? Like, do you think we should appreciate where we're at, um, even if it is that tedious bench work? Well, I think first, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. Like that's, that is absolutely 1000% true. It doesn't matter where you are in the scientific career path. But yeah, you know, when I was a PhD student, same thing, man. Like I, I could not wait for that thing to be done. Uh, you know, I had an amazing experience. I published some big papers. I got, you know, um, a lot of recognition for our work, but like, I was so tired. Um, and I, you know, again, this is, I'm not advocating for this because like, this is, uh, this was a bad mental health and physical health decision, but like I was in the lab every single day, seven days a week, um, published a ton of papers, finished in four years. And like, and it seems like, wow, successful guy, but like, man, the, the, emotional and physical toll I paid for that I'm not sure it was worth it in the end um you know I know what it was like and I I try my best to um create an environment where hopefully you're not in that state at the end of your degree um you know it's sometimes hard to avoid because it you know right at the end it is tough especially when it's those last experiments I'm not gonna lie though, I'm a bit scared for my hair to fall out during my PhD. Like, I walk into the lab and I'm happy listening to music sometimes, and Max and Dan give me these looks like, oh, you just wait. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, grad school is tough. I mean, man, (laughs) like, it's tough. (laughs) I hope you don't have, I hope you're not bald. (laughs) That's, like, I gotta say, like, no other student has has told me about that type of anxiety. So, um, you're an original. Yeah, I I thank you. I try to be original in my fears. So, with the hardships you faced during your PhD as well as after your PhD, would you say that they influenced you in your career path? Like, for someone like myself who's a bit confused on in going into into um, academia or going into industry, what characteristics do you think you need to be more I guess, suited to one job or the other? Well, that's a good question. I don't know that, I don't know that science is just one or the other. Like you, you have to be an academic or you have to go to industry. I, you know, I'm meeting more and more people who have been sort of flipping back and forth between the two. The most important thing I think about a science, science degree of any sort is, is that critical thinking and critical thought when I think back to my all of my friends who I sort of came up with, they're in all sorts of industries all over the place. Some are not even scientific in scientific industries. They're just but that critical thought process that they've learned and, and trained with it has what's is has been what served them best, I think, as they've moved forward. There are so many great examples of of just really good science being done out there and um, at the same time, it creates products and solves problems and, and brings value to the whole world. And that's that's cool to see. So I think, you know, if you don't try something, <laughs> then you're never really going to know. And I've always tried to encourage people to to try to to move, to go to different schools, to to get out of what they've always sort of experienced and 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 move to different places and, and try new things because like if you just won't know until you try it and so if you're curious about um 
working in industry, there's, there are so many fellowships and opportunities nowadays for that type of work, especially at the graduate student level. So um, I would take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. I think there's a huge benefit of putting yourself in like uncomfortable situations to reinvent yourself. And that usually comes with trying out different facets of the field. I think uh, discomfort breeds creativity in many ways. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, and um, it's funny. I I was always uh, I always swore up and down I would never go to industry. <laughs> that I would, uh, I would never start a company. Uh, I used to start my talks, um, you know, different colloquia or at conferences. I used to start by introducing my lab as a place where we do nothing useful. Uh, where we only ask these like sort of esoteric questions and driven by pure curiosity. And, um, and that is really what the Pelling Lab is defined by. But, you know, what happened, and I guess looking back, it's not surprising, but what happened is you, you end up making some pretty important discoveries along the way by being willing to go in directions nobody else is going, uh, to, to ask the questions that haven't been asked before. The outcome of doing something like that is that you create knowledge. 100%. There's a lot of accidental discoveries that have revolutionized science. So your career has progressed into both industry and academia, but would you say quarantine has been good or bad for your career? Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if quarantine has been good or bad for my career. That, you know, the impact on my career has been something that I haven't really thought too much about. And uh, and I say that with full... Um, sort of knowledge and appreciation for the fact that I'm in a position where I, I don't have to worry about that. I, it's very privileged. I'm tenured and I have a, I'm a full prof and, um, you know, sort of was able to go through my career and my training in a way that didn't involve a quarantine or a global pandemic to interrupt it. And, and so that's why, for me, the biggest stress on, on me over the last several weeks and months has been how am I going to use this position of mine where I'm just so lucky to be where I am? How am I going to how am I going to sort of pay that forward and make sure that I can help minimize the impact on you guys and on the students and, and postdocs? Well, I really mean it when I say that you're doing a great job watching over us. And since you're kind of coasting, what's next for you? You know, honestly, for me, and I, I don't know, I don't know, it's part of like, this is what happens when you get old. I don't know. But like, for me right now, um, success for me uh, has really, is really defined by seeing success in you guys. Um, the students and seeing my students having success, seeing the employees at my company having success in terms of like, you know, achieving great things in terms of the science, but also seeing them get promoted and, and be, you know, supported and, and valued uh, for their contributions. Like that for me is success, seeing the teams that I'm a part of um, excelling. After I became a full prof, I, I had this sort of a, a, a bit of a, I guess, professional or maybe, I don't know, midlife crisis or whatever, but I felt like all of a sudden I had nowhere to go. Like, you know, like really like I can always get another award and I can always get another grant and another paper, but none of that's held much value to me anymore at that point. And I really had to ask myself, like, what is it that's going to drive me to get up in the morning and, and, 
keep me going? Like, should I just you know, leave academia so I can go find something else to challenge myself with, right? Um, and I, I realized that what was making me happiest and what gave me the most satisfaction was actually seeing, you know, one of my former PhD students uh, get a fantastic postdoc position and then go get a fantastic faculty position. And, and now seeing her, you know, hiring her own students and building her team like that for me, that is incredibly satisfying. And like I could live on that type of um, thing for the rest of my career, just seeing you guys excel and grow and, and, and do all the great things in the world that you're going to do. Um, that That's the cool part, I think. <laughs> that's the cool part about being a scientist. You're uh, you're gonna make me cry, Andrew. <laughs> I I hope I can bring you happiness. You know? Of course you will. We're doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's my new PhD project. <laughs> it's fantastic. Like we're just disrupting the PhDs. <laughs> you know, between the podcast and the pandemic, everyone's PhDs are disrupted. Well, thank you for letting me pick your brain, Andrew. You have been very educational and inspirational today. Thank you, Nikki. And that brings us to the end of our Labs Limited series. I had such an amazing experience being the host of this project. I feel like it brought our lab so much closer together and I'm so grateful we were able to make all of this happen even when times were tough. Although the life of scientists during a pandemic was the explicit theme of this podcast, I do think that being grateful has definitely become a huge part of it as well. I know it's been a really tough period for many, and not just because of quarantine. This period will go down in history as a time where we are all very divided. I'm optimistic though that we will get through this, and I hope that this podcast has been an auditory escape for some of you. I am Nikki McGilliver, officially signing off from Quarantimes. Catch you in the next pandemic.